Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full-time, I am the founder of RAPID, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we are going to talk about six-year-old questions. And what I mean about six-year-old questions, so like I mentioned in episode one, I do a lot of corporate training, I do a lot of coaching, um, speaking, just keynotes, whatever it is, and I always come from the perspective that we are all six-year-olds. So when we were all children, and our mothers or fathers or grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever was raising us, whenever we saw a person with a disability or a person with different color skin or any kind of difference from ourselves or our families, we often wanted to ask questions because that's what kids do. They ask questions. And for most things like the alphabet or how do we spell this or mommy, what's that in the sky or whatever it is, we don't respond with any kind of shame or anything. But when it comes to issues of equity and inclusion, diversity, whatever we want to call it, often parents freak out and are so embarrassed and don't know how to respond. So that's why I say at that moment in our childhood, when we asked about a person with a disability or we asked about somebody's skin color, it was 100% depended on what our parents or our uncles or aunts or whoever our guardians said, responded, that shaped how we see the world as far as equity and inclusion. If our parents immediately shamed the topic, don't look, don't stare, how dare you, that's rude, all of these questions, we immediately learned that asking questions about differences in people was shameful or learned that it was shameful to be those people experiencing those lives. Now, I don't know if any of y'all listened to Rachel and Dave Hollis. They are amazing, number one. Number two, I can't wait to meet Dave on his book tour in April. So that is super exciting. But he is really big right now on the concept of downloading information into his kids' heads. And he refers to this as downloading software. And that's exactly what we're doing around diversity and equity. And I think it's really important to think about that. We do that with all kinds of parenting things. And that's what we are doing as parents, is downloading the information that we value into these little humans' heads that are ready to absorb and believe and trust everything we say. So our reactions to these situations are so vital and so scary and so important for our kids to grow up with. So I'll tell you a story that actually happened to me. And I actually 
started learning about this concept through the transgender lens. And somebody, I was in a training or a conversation about transgender and how do we talk to our kids about transgender? This is something that we didn't grow up with um, being out. It was existing, but we didn't talk about it in our generation. And so somebody in the class said, what do I say when my kid asks, um, mom, is that a boy or a girl? The first thing to do, which is the easiest, is to start having these conversations at home. Making sure these conversations are normal. Like I talk about in our household, skin color is a normal conversation. Kennedy often asks, Mom, why is your skin pink? And why is mine light brown? And why is Daddy's dark brown? And so we have these conversations. We talk about, you know, Mommy's eyes don't work as well as yours, but they are they still work and and you know Mommy can still work and do all these things and and be a good mommy and all of that good stuff So we have these conversations often and that's much less pressure much easier than The latter which is it's gonna happen out in public and so after I had this conversation Or I was in this training. I can't remember which one it was here it comes. My six-year-old, Kennedy, was at work with me, and we were in my cube, and one of my coworkers, we'll call them Joanne, uh, walked up and said, hey, what's going on? Da, 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 da. And she uh, has short hair, and she was wearing a tie that day, and had a button-up shirt. And so my daughter looks at me and says, Mommy, is that a boy or a girl? And there it was, the freak out moment of every mama, daddy, grandparent, whatever it is. Oh my gosh, what do I say? And I took a deep breath and right as I was about to say, well, the woman at the door at the cube said, I'm a girl, but I love having short hair because I can make it crazy and I can do fun things with it. And I like to wear a tie because it makes me feel fancy. And so Kennedy looked at me and said, and then she looked back and she went, okay. And at that moment, we normalized the conversation about, you know, the norms of what we assign gender to. And so later that night, she, caught, she talked to me and said, mom, so can girls have short hair? I said, yes. She's like, can... Can boys have long hair? And I said, yes. She's like, okay. And it became normal. It became, it was no big deal to her. And so then she was like, mommy, can I cut my hair short? I said, yes. If you want to cut your hair short, it is your body. You're able to do that. And so, you know, setting those norms and, and making sure our kids understand those and being prepared for those conversations around any kind of diversity is really important as a parent. Uh, the same goes with, with disability. If somebody comes up in a wheelchair, be ready to say, Mommy, why does that person use a wheelchair? And you can say, because that's how they get around. And if they say, why? And you can say, I'm, I'm not really sure. But there's a lot of reasons they could be using a wheelchair. But they can do all sorts of things just like you and me. And so normalizing that conversation and talking about differences in the sense of your eyes, if it's a, if it's a white skinned, blue eyed person, your eyes are blue, but daddy's eyes are brown. Your, your, my eyes are green, but you know, it, 
it, it, comparing it to any normal difference in humanity is what brings us back to the humanity. And so it's so important to download that software, as Dave says, download that software into our kids' brains so that their generation is not like ours. We need to look more at intent versus impact. But not only that, we need to prepare ourselves for these conversations so that when we are out in public, we are not offending people, we are not hurting people, and we are treating people like humans, not like their label. The problem is we don't know how to talk about things. We don't know how to respectfully ask questions. And if we do ask a respectful question and somebody chooses not to answer it, we feel shame about it. So, in all of my classes, talks, conversations, etc., I always have a box. And I have this box and it has pictures of my little six-year-old all over it. I'll post a picture here in the, in the show notes. But it's the six-year-old question box. And so, I encourage people in the trainings, wherever I am, to write down questions on the little pieces of paper that I provide and put it in the box anonymously. And so I allow these questions to come in because people are so ashamed that they don't know the questions. And typically it's around disability, but if I'm teaching about equity and inclusion on other topics, I'll take any kind of questions and I'll make sure that somebody can answer the question and feels comfortable answering the question if it's not my lived experience. So then we send out an email to all of the people who were in the class. So not just me, if I ask the question, do I help the blind person on the corner if they look lost? That was my six-year-old question if I was to be in the class, let's say. So I put that box in and somebody else, or that question in, and then somebody else put another question in. And then, so by the end, you have 20 questions, 25 questions, 30 questions, depending on how many people are there. And now you get an email with all of those answers, your, including yours that you answered, but then you look at all these questions and you're like, wow, I've thought that before too. Or wow, I've wondered that forever. What do I do when I'm in this situation? So this is how I want this podcast to run. I want to be a place where people feel comfortable asking questions and when I read them on the air, well, it won't be me reading them because I can't see them, but um, when somebody reads them on the air, we're going to give our best response. Now, if I'm not the best person to answer that question, if it's about race or age or something like that, I'm definitely going to have somebody who is qualified or living that experience come on and help everybody out. But that's where it's important to really value people's lived experiences and allow them to be the expert on their lives. But again, they're not going to be able to speak for their whole community, but at least gives you some ideas to pull from. So with that, we are going to have my amazing husband, Jameson, read our very first six-year-old question. I know a person who was able-bodied, but I haven't seen him in years. He had an accident and is now in a wheelchair. When I saw him several years later, I had no idea what to say, so I avoided interacting with him. What is the appropriate way to re-engage? I felt so awkward asking him how he's doing and what's new in his life. Thank you, Jameson. So first and foremost, the biggest thing about these questions is that there is no shame. 
if we put out shame, then people are going to be afraid to ask questions and therefore we don't learn. So in this situation, it is especially hard because you're battling with a decision. A lot of times when we have issues like this, it's more around things that accidentally were said or as we call them microaggressions, things that you don't know have offended somebody, something you said offended someone. So this situation is a decision that you had to make. And the hardest part about this is that if that person saw you, they know why you didn't come and talk to them. You're not the first person who's probably reacted that in that way, and you're not going to be the last, and that's not something to be ashamed about. It is important that if you did decide to go up to that person, that you forget about the disability for a moment. And that's what I often, you'll hear the answers around disability, is take the disability out of the question for a moment, not enough to forget about it, because it also needs to be recognized in a sense, but ask about the person, not what are you, you know, why are you disabled now, but hey, what's been going on in your life? How are you? I haven't seen you forever. Take the fact that they were in a wheelchair out of the picture, out of the conversation for just a moment, and just ask about them as a human. Now, if you are talking to them, and that at that point they say, I was in an accident, and, you know, things have changed significantly, that's when you can say, oh, okay, well, you know, is there anything you need, anything I can help with? If you need anybody, uh, if you need any help, let me know. It would be great to get together with lunch with you. Any of those normal conversational pieces can apply to this person as well. You don't have to walk up and say, hey, you're in a wheelchair. What the heck happened? No. And even though that's what your brain is telling you, because these conversations haven't been had before. And so that piece is totally normal. But take the disability out of the question for just a minute and just say, okay, what would I do if this person wasn't in a wheelchair? You would walk up into them and say, hey, I haven't seen you since high school. Holy moly. How are you? Um, What's new? And you don't have to refer or even think about their disability because pretend like they don't have one for a moment. Then if they say, like I said, they refer to their disability, be ready to have that conversation too. And it doesn't have to be awkward. If they brought it up, you can maybe ask if you feel comfortable, hey, you know, what happened? And if they say, I don't really want to talk about it, say, okay, cool. So you know, what do you do in your spare time? What do you do for work? What do you do for, are you married? Do you have kids? blow by that. I don't really want to talk about it because that's okay that they don't want to talk about it. Blow by that. Keep going with the conversation. Don't feel like you made a wrong move. Don't feel like you offended that person. Just that day, that person may have been asked five times, why are you in a wheelchair? And that sixth time, they didn't want to talk about it. And that's okay. And you didn't do anything wrong. Now, keep going with the conversation. Like I said, treat them as any quote-unquote normal person, and I say normal person because they are a normal person. And so that is what scares people the most about disability is not knowing how to react. And so take that moment of how do I talk to a person in a wheelchair out of the conversation. Take that moment of how do I talk to a blind person 
take it out of your your internal conversation, your narrative about the person. Say, good morning, ma'am. Good morning, sir. How are you today? You don't have to say, hey, hey, person, can you see me? Do you need, can you hear me? Can you this, can you that? No, just talk to them and observe how they react to you. And that's going to give you the best clues as to how, what your next move is. The same thing with this person in the wheelchair. Go talk to them. Let them lead you down that road. Let your, put your curiosity to bay. You don't need to know all those answers. You don't need to know what happened. You don't need to know why they're in the chair. You don't need to know any of that. What you need to address is the human, human piece of it all and being able to say, wow, I haven't seen that person forever. Let me go talk to them. Again, no shame whatsoever. This is a great question. This actually came out of one of my classes uh, since we haven't launched the six-year-old questions yet. So now people know what they are. So please go to the website and check them out. But so this person may be out there in the world and, and thank you for this question. And definitely I am proud of you for reaching out about this question and allowing us to address it here for everyone else. So jump over to our website, rapidorgan.org, R-A-P-I-D-O-R-E-G-O-N, rapidorgan.org, and drop some six-year-old questions of any kind, racial, disability, ageism, sexism, transgender, LGBTQ, whatever it is. Drop a question in the box, in the, in the box on the podcast page, and we will be sifting through them and addressing them as they come up. This wraps us up for today. Thank you for listening to this episode about six-year-old questions. Put down the shame, put down the fear, and just ask respectful questions and be a better person. Throw away the shame. It is not your fault that we were never exposed to this information. And you can change the way you behave now by recognizing it, learning, and preparing to be a better person, and especially with anybody influencing children, make sure you are prepared. Please start having these conversations. Please start preparing for those conversations before they happen so that when you have that opportunity to teach, you are able to and you're prepared. Have a great week, everybody, and thank you again for joining me. This was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me here today at Human Is My Label. Don't forget to subscribe, share this with your friends, families, and coworkers. Get out there, get comfortable with the uncomfortable, include everyone, and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about RAPID, visit us at rapidorgan.org. That's R-A-P-I-D. O-R-E-G-O-N dot org. You can find me at emily.purry on Instagram and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day and I can't wait to see you next week.